Good evening and welcome to Relationship Game Changers. My name is Kim Moore and I welcome you and greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank those that that come on every Wednesday from 7.30 to 8 to laugh, to declare, to set the atmosphere for this call. We appreciate you. I appreciate you so much and just thank you for your faithfulness and your commitment. Uh, we've been doing this now for Gosh, four years. Yeah, we're in our fourth year, and God has been faithful. And, uh, you know, it's a testament when the same people that are beginning with you at that uh, 730 to 8 are the people that are still with you. And so, my gosh, I just thank God for the faithfulness. I thank God for the relationships that have been established even as we come together every week. Well, you know, if you're new to this call and and what we do on Wednesdays, we like to talk about and teach those things, the kingdom principles, those things that transcend our gender, transcend race, transcend culture, transcend political parties, and any other thing, uh, denominations, any other thing that would seek to divide the people of God. And I believe that Jesus is the truth. The truth is a person. And when we lift up the name of Jesus, when we lift up truth, there's liberty. And moreover, he will draw all men unto himself. They'll be free to respond to him. And so I'm excited that you're here with us if this is your first time. I want to welcome my friend. I'm actually excited because I've got my my notepad out because I'm going to take some notes. I have the privilege and the pleasure of of being in friendship with Dr. Belinda Campbell. And um, I've learned so much from her and uh, really has just been a blessing in my life over the past four years. It's interesting. I knew her many, many years ago, but and our paths crossed, but we never connected. But about four years ago, or I guess when I started on the call in the morning, uh, we developed a relationship that continues today. I could, I mean, there are accolades. I could list things about Dr. Campbell and, and just all of the things and accomplishments and degrees and things that she has. But if I could just say, I think she would be rather be known as someone that loves God. She's a lover of God. She's a lover of God to the quarterization of her own ego. Let me say that again. She loves God at the expense of her ego, and that's where humility is born. And so I just thank God that she is here with us tonight. Belinda, you're on the phone. I want you to have the time to, to share with us what's on your heart um, and we're all ears. We're all ears, and we've got pens and papers, and, you know, we'll jump in at the end. But please take your liberty. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Belinda, you'll need to star six because I'm not able to hear you if you're talking. All right, there we go. I, I hear you now. There you go. <laughs> I, was I know. Amy's asking, asking me, did I remember to start the record? I did start the recording because we want to make sure we capture everything that you say. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. I love you so much, and I appreciate you. We love you, you too, and I'm so glad you. to be here. And, uh, oh, gosh, I'm excited. I've had a good time studying today. I love getting into the Word and just studying and always get kind of caught between two paths. Don't sometimes don't know which path to take, but I believe that, 
uh, the Lord has helped me to choose the path he wants us to go on tonight. And so I just uh, relinquish all of myself and surrender all of who I am to the Lord and for his use tonight. And I invite Holy Spirit of truth. I always invite him. He's our great teacher, revelator. He makes things simple and understood. He is the one who will regenerate after that truth is, is imparted and deposited in us. He causes that regeneration to new birth. And so we just thank God for Holy Spirit tonight. And we thank him for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, uh, tonight and our soon-coming King. Amen. Praise God. I want to welcome also, I, I believe that there may be uh, members of our ministry, World in Prayer International Apostolic Center, that may be on. Thank you guys for jumping on and being a support. We believe in uh, collaborative uh, service in the kingdom of God and helping others and joining others' efforts and what they're doing to support the advancing of the kingdom. And so we are kingdom-minded here at World in Prayer, and I know that you are too. I, I do know that Kim is. So I know that those who are with her each week as well, that you are well taught, and I, I trust God in her. You are well taught. So I don't know what I'm going to bring tonight. It might be kind of redundant or elementary, but here's what I believe. I believe that any truth that comes from the Lord, no matter how many times it comes, should not be treated as redundancy because God knows what we need to hear. And whenever there's repetitiveness uh, of the word of the Lord or a reemphasizing of God's word, it's because there is something we need to seize and comprehend to make active in our lives. So tonight, uh, without further ado, uh, I've got pen and paper too because a lot of times when I'm teaching, I, something else will pop up other than what's on my notes, you know, and so I'd like to have pen and paper, and I've got it right here. I'm ready to write, too. But tonight I felt like the Lord wanted uh, me to do um, the topic of the courage of a kingdom game changer. Now, that can be very broad, but uh, I've reduced it down to just where I think God wants it to be because he's going to uh, recharge us tonight to take courage to stand as a game changer, take courage to stand. So we're talking about the courage of a kingdom game changer. And so uh, I want to be specific about that because game changers can happen in any industry, in any area of life we can find game changers. But tonight we want to talk specifically to you and to I uh, because we are members of the house of God. We are his kingdom people. And so uh, the Lord wants us to revisit his word tonight a little bit, and then at the end you can have time to discuss and or ask questions, and we'll just lean on Holy Spirit to lead us uh, through it all, all right? Well, let's go back to uh, a base scripture uh, in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, because it's here that we find the first mention of the kingdom. We don't find the word kingdom, but we find enough language packed in these two verses that uh, signifies that God is establishing and talking about his kingdom in these two verses. And so um, uh, there's something relevant about the first law of mention um, in theology, uh, the study of God and the word of God and all the different doctrines of the Christian faith. Um, the first law mentioned is important because anytime a word or phrase is used for the first time in Scripture, it adds or can serve as a foundation 
of relevance or significance for future uses of that word or phrase in future texts. And so this is going to be the first of this uh, that's going to speak to us of the kingdom. And I wanted to use it as our foundation because we're talking about kingdom game changers. So game changers that belong to this particular kingdom that God established from the beginning. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it reads, uh, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. There's our governmental word there, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the earth, over all the earth, over all the earth. Um, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue. The word subdue is going to be important to us as we travel through the study tonight because subdue implies bringing under control, uh, but it may also uh, engage conflict in the process or the act of bringing something under control. It, uh, when I was looking at that word earlier today, uh, it even bears the meaning or the, the um, analogy of one placing his or her foot upon the neck of an enemy, okay? And it reminded me of another scripture in Genesis uh, where uh, God, after he has cursed the land, says that and the, the, um, the child of the woman, the seed of the woman, shall crush the head of the enemy. So that word subdue is very strong for us there uh, in uh, what we're going to talk about tonight. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. We have dominion as kingdom people. In this act, this very act of creation, God has established now relationship, fellowship, and rulership. We can find all of that in those two verses. In this creative act, we see the biggest and the most powerful game changer ever, God himself. He is duplicating himself in character and in authority in his companion agents. Ephesians 2.10, which I love, reads this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we will walk in them. In other words, the word workmanship there is poema in the Hebrew language, and it uh, uh, has to do with a rhyme or as a poem, being in rhythm with. So as God created us as his workmanship, he created us to be responsible beings, having ability to respond to him. Uh, to have fellowship with him, to participate in the life of God, including his kingdom rule. So created by this sovereign God, and I know you guys have been talking about the sovereignty of God, another key word for us tonight, created by sovereign God, who is Adonai, one of supreme power, 
authority, dominion, and influence, and royal rule, the believer, the redeemed, has been delegated dominion and authority to rule on this earth. So man becomes, at this point, a cold game changer with God, called to influence, called to impact the world, its cultures, the people for the kingdom of God. That is our global and prophetic destined assignment for every believer, irregardless of your grace, gifting, uh, or or whatever uh, divine enablement God has given unto you, the bottom line is we are co-game changers in the kingdom of God with God as his cooperative agents of change to impact the world, to bring the kingdom of God as it is in heaven, on earth, and in earth, to establish and to to uh, 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 yeah to establish the glory of the Lord in the earth. So literally, what is a game changer? An individual or an organization who significantly alters the way things are done as a whole. They make a difference. Game changers can use their personality uh, or their attitude to ignite change or to influence. Game changers literally have ability to make change. Oftentimes it's radical change because it leads to a shift, a shift in the way others will think and in the way they will do things. Game changers oftentimes, and maybe more times than not, they go against the flow of what is already established. (laughs) How would we define kingdom game changer? The kingdom game changer is the one who positively affects change wherever they are planted and or assigned by the divine providence of God. By the divine providence of God is what the kingdom game changer does in effecting change. That means that God uh, has intervention in the universe by his love, his care, and his direction. He being in complete control of all things. That's the sovereignty of God's rule. He is in complete control. Government is all his alone to do and to carry out, but we get to co-op with him as co-game changers and co-agents of change. And this is positive change, positive impact, to bear up now the reflection and manifestation of the kingdom of God in character, in purpose, in prophetic destination, God's vision and his plans coming to fulfillment. So the kingdom game changer, as government rulers and representatives, must possess something uh, that is very needful, and that's the element of courage. Courage is essential, absolutely necessary, for the kingdom game changer's character and their assignments. What is courage? It is being fearless, it's being brave, it's being bold. 
courage. It's the ability to do something that will ordinarily be frightening. It is strength in the face of pain and or grief. Courage is the choice and willingness to confront agony. Jesus did that. He was courageous when he was in the uh, uh, Garden of Gethsemane going through agony, knowing his hour had come and he would face death. He was a game changer at that moment. He took courage because he knew his assignment. He knew his purpose. He knew this was the way he needed to go in order to achieve it, but he also knew who was with him. And if you recall, Jesus in that place began to cry out to be relieved. Let this cup pass from me. It was a weak moment for him. And it's a true thing that we, uh, in the journey of life, we get weak. Sometimes we are faced with challenges and obstacles of health, of finances, of relationship uh, uh, um, disputes and or divisions, many things that the enemy uses to weaken us as we're on the journey to fulfill the assignments that God has given us individually but yet corporately. And Jesus took that courage in the Garden of Gethsemane so that he could act in strength enough to carry out his assignment as he faced death. It's the choice and the willingness. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember now that he said, too, in that same um, uh, a moment, he said, you know, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. He surrendered his will to God, that this moment that he was going through of agony and the, what he would face on the cross, he knew it had to be so for the finished work of the assignment. Uh, courage is the mental it's the mental or moral strength to venture. It's also having confidence or having faith to persevere and to withstand danger, fear, or to withstand difficulty to resist opposition. Um, if you're like me, I, I have never seen so much resistance as I have in the last few years in our nation, in the church, in personal life, opposition against the, the will of God for our lives, for our nation. So much resistance, so much opposition and hardship, enough to make the heart sick, hope deferred, making the heart sick. But then there is a courage that we can have and we have to take that comes from God, that enables us to withstand and resist resistance and the spirit of opposition and danger. This courage is not autonomous, meaning it's not of our own self, it's not self-generated. This, this courage is sourced by God in God. It's supernatural in essence. For the Christian, courage means that we will uh, do and have the will to do and to say the right thing at all costs. We take risk to be persons of integrity and of honesty, to say it, to do it justifiably according to the word of God, that we are always reflecting who he is and his kingdom. That's what Christian courage looks like. 
It is also the courage that we must have if we're going to evangelize this world. If we're going to be the witnesses God has called us to be, we must take courage and stand and fulfill our assignment. Now, how, how does um, one gain this courage? How do we get this courage? Well, the kingdom game changer gains courage by a knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G, a knowing. But this knowing is not the usual, um, what we think of when we hear the word know, we think of intellectualism. It can have some intellect involved, but it is not intellectually uh, uh, based necessarily. This is a knowing that speaks to intimacy, intimacy and fellowship with God, where there is a divine exchange that takes place. This kind of knowing leads to conception, to a, a, a conceiving that will eventually be a birthing out. It is the kind of knowing that brings us to come to know who we are uh, and have been created to be one with God, that kind of intimacy, one with God. It is the knowing who you are in Christ, a new changed creature. Remember, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. It is the knowing the word of God and the God of the word. Knowing the truth of the word of God and the God of truth. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because God is the giver and he's the sustainer of this courage. This knowing, you have to have this knowing of trusting in the sovereignty of God, hoping in him as we uh, will see in Psalm 31:24 in just a moment. God is in control. He's the sovereign one who wins over every battle. In fact, it is, it is his sovereignty, his ability to rule and have complete control that beats out every battle and brings us to victory. This knowing is about trusting in God's promises that he is with you. That he is, I am, with you. It is this knowing that creates a confidence in us, beyond just self-confidence, but a confidence to know that the one who goes before us and goes with us, the I am, I am is with us, I am goes before us. He is greater in us than he that is in the world. Praise God. So what are a few scriptures of truth that lets us know that we are commanded to have this biblical courage? Let's look at um, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. We all know that one. God has not given us the spirit of fear or cowardice, but he's given us the spirit of power of love and sound judgment and personal discipline speaking to abilities that result in calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Deuteronomy 31 and 6, be strong and courageous. This is a command. Do not be afraid or tremble in dread before them. 
For it is the Lord your God, it is the Lord your God who goes with you, and he will not fail or abandon you. We have to know these truths of the word of God. Joshua 1 and 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous, don't be terrified or dismayed or intimidated. For the Lord your God is with you. And I'm going to read that again. For the Lord your God is with you. Remember, he is our source of courage. He is with us. So that means we can do this. We can do it. When all other circumstances or conditions say you can't do it, you're too weak to do it, you're too sick to do it, you're too doubtful to do it, you're too afraid to do it, this word says don't be terrified, don't be dismayed, because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Glory be to God. Special emphasis for 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says be on guard. Stand firm in your faith in God. Keeping your doctrine sound, that is the precepts of the truth of God and his promises, and act like mature men and be courageous. Be strong. Psalms 31, 24, be strong and let your hearts take courage. Let it be in your heart. Seize it, root it in the heart. And all you who wait for and confidently expect the Lord will receive. You're going to receive. I underlined here who wait for, because that word wait is not like a passing of time that we might would think. It is hoping in. So courage is connected to our hope and where that hope is in or who it is in. It is connected to our waiting with confidence that God is and will do what we're standing in courage to accomplish. Isaiah 41 and 10, do not fear a thing, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am. I am. That's the name of God right there. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured. Have no doubt. Be assured. I will help you. I will hold you with my right hand of power, victory, and salvation. I feel right now, right this very moment, I feel someone being lifted up already right here at this moment. I feel strength coming up through your legs. I don't know who that may be, but I feel the supernatural presence of God strengthening someone from your legs upward. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is what the word would do. When we go and return to the word of God and the God of the word, this is what will happen. That's why I'm reading it. Because when we do this, whatever we're reading, it will manifest. It will manifest. It will birth itself. It will be, uh, uh, become life to you. Glory be to God and blessings to that person. Second um, Samuel 10 and 12, double attention here. <laughs> because the word says, be courageous. Let us share ourselves, uh, let us show ourselves courageous for the benefit of our people. Look at this. For the benefit 
of our people and the cities of our God. That's the kind of thing we want to say over our cities and communities, our states, and our nation tonight. This word of 2 Samuel 10 and 12, be courageous and stand up and show yourself courageous. For whom? Game changer. For the cities, for the people, for the land. Because, you know, the Bible says that God is jealous for, uh, zealous for his land and the people. So this was very special to me to see this command come forth that, that God would say, be courageous for the benefit of the people, for the cities, <laughs> for your nation, and may the Lord do what is good in his sight. Uh, just a couple of more scriptures and we'll move on. So Second Chronicles 15, 7 Double attention here, too. But as for you, be strong and do not lose courage, for there is a reward for your work. Game changer. There is a reward. Kingdom game changer. Excuse me. Kingdom game changer. There is a reward waiting for your work that you will accomplish for the Lord in the kingdom of God. So be strong and do not lose courage. Psalms 27, 14, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. That is, hope in him, and with confidence, in faith, expect him. This is how we operate in the courage. We wait for him hopefully and confidently, expecting the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take the courage. Take it. Seize it. Possess it. Lay hold of it. Embrace it. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. This is an assurance, people of God, that when we wait for in hope and expect the Lord in confidence, you know, David cried out to God and said, you know what, I'm, I'm standing in confidence that I'm going to see you in the land of the living. I'm going to see you manifest in the land of the living. So when we do this with confidence and expect the Lord, it's an assurance because it says yes. Yes, that, that implies to me this is going to happen, whatever you're expecting God to do. And the last scripture, and there are many scriptures in the Bible that speak to courage, by the way, but these were some of the ones that kind of blessed me, really. Uh, Ezekiel 22 and 14, this time a question is posed. Can your heart or your courage endure? Or can your hands be strong in the days that I would deal with you? So when things get tough and tough gets going, <laughs> can your hands be strong? When the resistance seemingly uh, is overwhelming, opposition seems like it's not going to move or go anywhere. You've decreed, you've prayed, you've fasted, and it seems like it's not happening. You don't have an option of what to do, how to do. You're out of solution. Can your courage endure? That word endure has to do with standing strong under pressure. I call it the anyhow strength, that no matter what's going on, I'm going to be strong anyhow because of he who strengthens me. So kingdom game changer, no matter what comes your way, anyhow, yes, your endurance can stand. You can stand under the pressure. 
take the courage. Take the courage and do so. Praise God. So um, there were a few other things that I want to suggest to us in the how to gain this courage. I gave you a few just a moment ago, but just a few more. One is we must trust God. We've just read plenty of scriptures uh, that, that let us know that. We must trust God and hope in him. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit because he is our helper. He's been given to us, living in us, to be our helper. Uh, we, we must be like David who put lots of trust and confidence in the promises of God. What has God promised? What has he covenanted? Uh, the word of the Lord in Joshua 1.9 when he says, Have I commanded you be strong and courageous? Don't be trembled, fearful, or dismayed, for God is with you wherever you go. That was a promise that God was going to be with Joshua. Wherever he went, and you know the kinds of things he was facing to lead Israel into the promised land. We have to be sure God is the sovereign one who wins every battle. The sovereignty of God, the absolute fullness of his control and rule, rests in his sovereignty. He's I deny the sovereign God who wills and does as he pleases. And then there is prayer. We have to abate ourselves in prayer. Psalms 138 and 3. One, uh, one uh, what is this that I wrote? I can't read my writing right here. On this day I called, on one day I called, David said this, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. In my soul. Because, see, the soul is the place where a lot of our resistance and uh, Trauma, if you will, um, uh, doubt and fear, anxiety, anger, things that come to or serve suppression to us, depression, oppression, it's about in the soul. Offenses, intimidation, it gets in the soul. And so David pretty much is saying, in my distress, in a time when I was weak, on the day that I called you, on the day I called you, answer. See, that's a promise that you can put faith in, that when you call on God, he's going to answer, and he's going to strengthen you in that day. Then secondly, there, uh, what we must do is learn to meditate on the word. Let's be found meditating on the word of God and decreeing the word out of our mouths. We are created to give life to, and we can also speak death to that which needs to die and life to that which needs to live. We also can rehearse the times past. Now I call this experimental faith or hope. Rehearse the times past when you stood and hoped in God and he answered and he broke through. I think there is a scripture that speaks to that, to remember the hope of previous experiences. That's how David could could uh, have so much trust in God because he had so many times that God delivered him and was with him. He was a man after God's heart, remember? Not just in his music and worship of music, but it was his heart. His heart was, was one with God because his expectation, his experiences with God always breeded faith for a new time. 
courage for a new time, bravery for a new time, strength for a new time. He was a game changer indeed. For worship, but not just worship in a song because you like the melody of the harmony, worship in spirit and in truth. In that place, you can gain the strength, mental strength, moral strength, whatever strength you need, the courage, the building up, the coming up out of a place that's dead and dying, and then begin to actively activate, actively activate this courage, this strength when it comes. Actively step into to face your challenge or to step into to deal with whatever it is you're dealing with. Uh, step into, step in with faith, step out on faith, into those things of concerns and matters, and watch what God will do. Why? He's zealous for you. He's zealous for me. He's wanting to answer us. Courage, strength, and boldness will come when we do these things. It will come. And help us to face these challenges that need to be changed. Faith and courage work together. It will help us to stand and act out in the face of resistance and danger. It will come and help us to persevere and stay till we see victory. We stay fixed. It will help us to hope against hope. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Isn't that what Abraham did? My goodness, there are so many uh, biblical examples of those who were kingdom uh, game changers in the Bible, and I'll mention just a few in just a second and, and, and just kind of um, reiterate what it was that they did that, that they were noted for as a game changer. This is that confidence. This is the confidence that we have that is in God who has never lost a battle. If we're going to reach the world, change cultures and change nations and change people for Christ, we must take courage and the courage that comes from the Lord. We have been created for this. We've been called to this, to influence the world for the kingdom of God, to reveal Jesus Christ to manifest his likeness because we've been created in it. So if we walk in it and, and, and we are a reflection of it, then we move as a representative to reveal God to people and introduce to some, reveal to others, however or whatever the assignment would be, we have to take courage to do it. And we have to know these things, that God is with us, and he goes before us. God does have a plan. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. he says that he has a plan. He has thoughts and plans for us to work a hope and a future and not evil. And when we pray, he will hear us and answer. We have to know that Jesus has overcome the world. The world has tribulations. Jesus said, said so to us. But he says, be of what? Good cheer. Go ahead and stand and have cheer. Why? Because you know I have overcome the world and you are in me and I am in you. 
And I have come to give you peace, completedness. Yes, tranquility, but that completeness of security, prosperity, uh, everything you need in that package of shalom. Jesus says, I have come to give you that. So you can stand in the midst of tribulation. No matter what the world is doing, you can carry out your assignment because I've designated you as a kingdom game changer, as a kingdom ruler. You have solutions. And there are things that game changers do, you know. Uh, There are just certain attributes of game changers uh, a few of those is just uh, game changers of people who have self-confidence. They, they believe in themselves. They know who they are and what they stand for. They are people of compassion. They are people of, 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 of confidence in God. They are people of conviction. You know, uh, it's, it's something about people who are courageous. You kind of always know where they stand. You know, they, they're not swish-swatchy all over the place. They are passionate about their beliefs and about the truth and the values of God. They are people of integrity. They want to express and have opportunity to change lives, to change systems, to change operations that we are walking and operating in, that we are systematically being Christ-like because that's who we are, that's who we've been created to be. These are some some attributes of a courageous kingdom uh, game changer. They are people of leadership and rulership. They're not afraid of adversity. Now, we are human. We do have some human humaneness at times. There are some times that uh, when we are under uh, attack by the enemy, perhaps, that sometimes it may attack us and cause us to be weaker uh, in that moment than other times. But we're not people who give in to adversity because we know where to find our strength. We know who we are and to whom we belong. There are people who uh, will put other people's interests and, and, and their, um, hold them in high esteem, like the Bible says to do, that we're to love others and hold them in higher, more esteem than ourselves. They're objective people. Courageous people believe that people are willing to make tough decisions if given the options to do so with an open and honest um, manner to do that, to make those choices. They are people who are change masters. They are willing to get out of their comfort zone to meet the challenges that lie ahead, though uncomfortable. They know who goes with them. And if who goes with them, who is the commander-in-chief, God, the sovereign Lord, who has created us and called us as his cooperative co-game changers, cooperative agents, collaborative agents of change, he will make known to us what is needful. They are people who take action. They know not uh, that it's not enough to just talk about something. We have to act. We have to do something. And how and why can we do this? Again, because we know God is with us. We know he has a plan for us. 
and we know that Jesus has overcome the world, he gives us the peace. And we know that we're more than conquerors, according to Romans 8. I wanted to uh, cite just a couple of, of, of characters from the Bible uh, real briefly, and then I'm done. Take courage. We're being recharged tonight. There's a new level, I believe, of authority that is being uh, dispensed upon the people of God and the kingdom in this hour, in this very season that we're in. Uh, not new in the sense that um, it's something created that we've, that we've not known before or seen before, because uh, all authority comes from God. He's given all authority of himself to his son, Jesus, who has given that authority to the church, to the ecclesia, until the end of the age, according to Matthew 28. And Jesus says there, hey, I give you this authority until the end of the age, and behold, I am with you. I am is with you. How encouraging to know that uh, however in a refreshed and or uh, revived way that God wants to give us this new level of authority. I, I just think that it's been that God is releasing a new wind a new breath, his breath upon the authority already given to us to awaken it, to awaken it, to bring it up and increase it. Because, see, the Bible says, Isaiah uh, 9, um, 9 and 6 or 6 and 9, where uh, Isaiah prophesies about Jesus coming and being born as his son. Behold, you know, uh, a, a son is born, and his name is Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. And his government would know no end. It doesn't say the government would know no end. It says the increase of his government would know no end. I believe we're in that season that we will experience an increase of his government. What does that mean? That God is bringing in more souls, the, the harvest, the greater harvest than has ever been historically Otherwise, is coming. The greatest revival that has ever been is about to be manifest. And there will have to be a, a refreshing of an increase of authority upon the people of God, the game changers who carry the solution, who have the answers, who bear up the image and the likeness of God, carrying the light of God into the dark world to change it. I believe that increase is in the souls that are coming in. God is going to increase the, 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 let's just say, the vessels, the people of whom, uh, of those who, who, of whom uh, this government is, is, is imparted into them. When they come into the kingdom by way of salvation, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, they become these new creatures. There's a harvest that we've not known and seen before. I believe we're on the crust of that manifestation. Uh, Romans 8, 19 says the whole world is in labor and travail, waiting for the sons of God to manifest. For what reason? To deliver the earth out of its pain and decay and corruption. <laughs> Why? We've already been made free. So we're the ones who can carry that freedom courageously as game changers and change the earth and this darkness for those 
who will receive. Isaiah 60, a time for that manifestation. Darkness grows and increases, but so does the glory light. And what is the command? Arise. Arise, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen up on you. Hallelujah. It's risen up on you. It's your time. It's my time. It's the season of the ecclesia to arise up as game kingdom game changers. And we will arise in a refreshing of the authority of Jesus Christ. Well, a couple of examples of, of some uh, game changers. Moses was one. Moses faced his insecurity and fears by responding to the call of God to lead uh, Israel out from Pharaoh's siege, okay? Uh, uh, he was insecure about it because, number one, he didn't feel like he could talk, you know, he, but God told him, said, listen, I'm with you. I'll go with you, and I'll speak for you. If you open your mouth, I'll speak for you. Maybe some of you have those types of insecurities. But Moses overcame because he was a kingdom game changer. The man who was with him, the sovereign God, enabled him and empowered him to carry out the cause in spite of any fears or insecurities that he may have had. You can go back and read that uh, back in the uh, book of Exodus, read that whole story of how he um, was called to the burning bush. He received the mandate and the purpose for which he was called, but he felt insecure. He felt like he was not the one to go. He even asked God, well, if Pharaoh asked who sent me, who should I say? He was nervous about that. And guess who God said, tell him, I am sent to you. <laughs> the same I am that goes with you. Be strong and be of good courage. David was another one who had courage to face impossible situations. One Goliath as a young teenage shepherd boy with no warland experience. But his brothers had it, and uh, this was the time when uh, that struggle between Israel and the Philistines was there, and these daily threats from the enemy and the giant, uh, David took courage to fight Goliath. Well, a couple of things David had on his side. David had and knew of God and his promises, and he had confidence in them both, the word of God and the God of the word. But David also pulled upon his experimental uh, times of hoping in God. He, he uh, cited that at, at Goliath's uh, 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 place where he gathered there that day, and he told him, he said, listen, who are you? I've killed a bear and I've killed a lion, so who are you? Everybody else was afraid of the giants, even those who were at war. His brothers and the warriors, they were afraid. But what motivated David was because Goliath defied his living God. So it motivated him to take courage and stand up. He said, I'll take your head off. And he did. And he did. David had courage because of the many times God had protected him. Even uh, with the case with Ziklag, remember, he had been out to war. He's a, an adult man at this point. But he had gone out to war. They returned, and the uh, uh, village and everything has been set on fire. Their, their family members have been taken in possession. And God, uh, David inquired of the Lord, may I pursue the enemy? And God said, go ahead, David. 
I am is with you, and I go before you. Go ahead. And the Bible says that he pursued and he uh, recovered all, right? He took courage. He took courage. Daniel was another one. The three Hebrew boys thrown in the fiery furnace, they were another example. And in both cases, they are politically motivated because they are uh, enticed and they are threatened and intimidated to eat of the delicacies of the king's table. And in Daniel's case, uh, he was um, he was being uh, uh, um, manipulated because the king had signed a law, a, regula- a regulation, uh, to put everybody to death that wouldn't worship him. And Daniel refused. The three Hebrew boys refused to. And here's what the Hebrew boys said in the fire furnace. He said, okay, we're not going to eat of your delicacy, and you can turn the fire up, and we're going to still pray to our God who is able to deliver, to deliver us. But if he doesn't, it still means he can do it. But we still are not going to bow down. That took courage in the face of death and the risk and danger, intimidation, manipulation, game changers, kingdom game changers. Daniel, thrown in the lion's den, you know the story, but he's a prophet of God. He refuses to bow down to the king in any way or expression. So he takes courage by praying. Remember we said prayer was one of those ways we gain it? He prayed three times a day, even though it was against the king's decree and the regulation of law. But he kept honoring God and kept crying out to God and being devoted to God until the day came that the king would walk up to the dead and find that Daniel is still praising God with his hands reached up, and then the king himself becomes saved from this experience. Look at that. He gets saved and says, Daniel, oh, Daniel, your God is God. Hallelujah. So I think we might have uh, time for a couple of questions, about five or six minutes maybe, or discussion. Kim, it's yours. I'm going to start right there. Well, before we uh, make any comments, let me just pray that we can receive what was imparted to us tonight. So, Father, in Jesus' name, you said without faith it is impossible to please you, and that he that comes to you must believe that you are and that you are the reward of them that diligently seek you. We also know, God, that our faith wins your approval and even your participation in our lives. And so, Father, today, tonight, by faith, we take courage. Each person on this line, just repeat it for yourself. Father, I take courage tonight. I receive the courage that was operating in Jesus Christ tonight. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that if we ask anything according to your will, in your name, God, then we shall have whatsoever we say. And so, Father, we thank you that we are courageous because we have received courage. Now, Father God, I declare as you release your people to be courageous and to do courageous things. For you said, be strong. For the Lord thy God is with us. And so we receive it tonight, God. 
We receive it by faith. We receive it by confession. Now, Father God, manifest your glory in each one of us, in our circumstances, that you might glorify yourself. And those that you've given us to influence will know that you are God and that we are your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, um, I have a saying on here, Kalinda, that I get the opportunity to grow in plain view. And so tonight I feel like that God was having a conversation with me and letting everybody else listen in. Now, how's that going to work? <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, God, if that's what you want. But that's what I feel like, that God was having a conversation with me. And the reason why I feel that way is because, uh, as some of you know, some of the prominent voices have been speaking about God's focus and his emphasis on marriage and family. And some of you know, and perhaps others may not, but that is a mountain that I've been called to scale and to reclaim for the Lord. And what that means and is meaning is that I am coming up against religious spirits in marriage. And I'm talking about from well-known people that otherwise God has gifted and given revelation. And I would tell you that God is making a paradigm shift in the area of marriage. And, you know, it's easy to stand with a group of people proclaiming something. It's quite another thing to stand by yourself and to proclaim something. And so I feel like you've been in, you know, my my room space with God and and just encouraging me, the encouragement of God as he takes a battering ram to the traditions of men that have made the word of God ineffective in marriage. So I don't know whether to thank you or <laughs> And but you I know what I'm going to say, Kim, is what I always say, but I'm going to say tonight, uh, take courage. Because, uh, you know, I, I know I made a statement earlier that the, the courageous also most times are radical because they go against the flow of uh, traditionalism and or um, religion. And mm-hmm. so in this shift, and, and, and I, think, I think that calls for that increased uh, authority, that new authority level that's coming as well, because we are coming against people that, you know, otherwise are uh, well-received and or very anointed, mm-hmm. and this and the other. I, I'm, I'm facing some of that myself in, in, in ministry as well. And, and uh, one of the uh, places of comfort for me is having that time of meditation, uh, and contemplation where I'm sitting mm. with God and I, I'm just surrendering myself and time to him so that he can give me that divine exchange of his perspective and his grace. So when I get up again, I'm, in, I'm encouraged. Watch it. You know, that's the other side of courage, to be encouraged, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. take the courage now to keep my stance, to carry out what mm-hmm. God has said. To do, but let me let me uh, read this kingdom prophecy by uh, this guy Jim Hamley back in. Yeah, because I got a question for you when you're done. <laughs> okay, look what he says, and I think it fits right here. 
he says, the Lord says, I have no need for complainers or fault finders who would never enter the promised land. I have no need for the fearful or the faithless. I need game changers. Game changers are special people who have my wisdom and have meat that the rest of the church does not know of. Wow. Game changers mm. have meat to eat that the Western church doesn't know of. Their meat mm. is to do the will of my Father and to finish his work, John 4:32. Game changers walk into a meeting where people are desperate for a solution, and they walk out minutes later having solved the problem. Game changers don't compromise righteousness or principle under any circumstance. They say, oh, God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace or being fired or, or bankruptcy or being homeless. He will deliver you out of thine hand, oh, king, oh, boss, or CEO, or government agent. But if not, be it known unto thee that we will not serve your God nor worship the corporation or government which you have set up. Daniel 3:17. Game changers looked uh, took the giants of oh no they looked to the giants of poverty, sickness, cancer, and death itself in the face, and say, "The day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. Today, this day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you and take your head from your shoulders. I will give the carcass unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth." Uh, that all the earth may know there is a God in my life that was David. Mm. But this, uh, this was a prophetic word that came forth that God says, I need kingdom game changers. Now, mind you. I believe that. Mind you, God had already told me that the message was about kingdom game changers before I even read this. And when well, I read I it, I said, that. oh, my God. Oh, my God. I believe that. And I'll tell you what, that's the, as you know, this call is called Relationship Game Changers because that's what God told me to do, raise up people that could go into relationships because everything is a relationship. It's either a relationship with God, it has to do with a relationship with yourself, or a relationship with another. And most times, all three of those aspects of relationships are affected. And so he told me to raise up relationship game changers that can influence in whatever relationship I place them or wherever they are to bring about the manifestation of the kingdom and those principles that transcend all of the things that we like to divide us into categorize and to think that we have this or we have that, which leads me to the question that I want to ask you. And um, and I have some thoughts, but I really would be more interested in your thoughts. And that is, that, and this is the question, because someone has an anointing that God has gifted them in a particular area to address a particular thing, does that mean or imply that their anointing crosses every other span and issue or mountain that's going off in the earth, every cultural mountain. Okay. I, I got the first half. And what was the bottom part of that? Does it mean that they're anointing so, so that, crosses? That, right. Because, because I'm anointed in one particular area, does my anointing cause me to span every area that I just can speak, quote, as an oracle of God in on anything because I have an anointing in this one thing. 
Okay, I want to make sure I understand what you're asking. You're asking if just because you have an anointing and specialized area Let me in be one specific. thing. That's right. Okay. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. That, that and and uh, does that mean that your anointing cannot touch other areas? Well, no. I mean, I think that it can, but when we when we are presenting, what I'm trying to get at. Let me just use myself as an example so that you can correct me if I'm inappropriate, if I'm if I'm not uh, thinking about this right. I have an anointing. There are very few things that people can talk to me about marriage that I'm just going to capitulate. And the reason why is because God has given me revelation and I'm carrying something for the body of Christ. However, I am also participate in other areas. You know, for instance, I do the prayer call in the morning, and I've made it clear to you, I'm an assist on that mountain. I'm not, and while I do have authority, I will capitulate to those who have authority and have been assigned that mountain to scale it, and at best I want to be able to hold up their arms. So what I'm asking you is, because I have an anointing and wisdom, in this area, it should the assumption be made by the people of God that I have anointing and, and, and wisdom in, in, in every area that relates to anything? Uh, that's a tough one, uh, and I'm going to answer it like this. Uh, for sure, the anointing is in the special area of interest or concern that God is giving you. I believe that we uh, believers can uh, receive... Um, a portion of oil or anointing mm-hmm. to carry out any assignment that could even be outside of our specialized area at any given mm-hmm. time that God wants yes. it done. Uh, so if if we're looking at it from that perspective, the answer is yes, your your anointing can be seen and felt. And, and it can be felt without there being a conflict of interest. Okay. Where you specialized area is concerned. Um, and and, and I, I guess because I have found myself operating in some areas that I didn't feel that it, were, it was my um, initial God call necessarily, mm-hmm. but God mm-hmm. graced me to do it because he mm-hmm. had need of my service at that mm-hmm. time uh, or, or for me to, you know, to serve in that area. And so I was graced to do that only because he provided that grace. And it was not a conflict yes. to anything that I do uh, especially. Yes, let me, let me answer that. But, yes, let me, let me answer that. But I know it's 9 o'clock, guys. We usually jump off. If you need to jump off, you won't be insulting us by any means. But I've got Dr. Campbell on the phone. So I'm, I'm going to have this little bit of a dialogue here because I believe it's important to what God wants to do in the earth. And so with that said, what, I would, what I'm saying is I agree with you. I do believe that God can grace anyone to speak to anything that he would have them to speak to at a given time. But because I have authority in one area, it, I don't believe it's my right to assume that I have authority in every other area Howbeit, God can grace me to speak to another area, 
But when we come together, for instance, you and I, I know that God has given you an anointing in the area of government and leadership. And so that is important to me when I'm considering things about government, leadership, how to do things administratively, I want the benefit of your gift. I celebrate that. I want you involved. I want to ask you questions. What do you think about this? How do you think we ought to get this done? Because for you, it's native. You're not like, well, let me just go away and think about it. Typically, it is so native to you that you just respond, and I celebrate that and want to celebrate that. When it comes to, uh, let's see, um, for, for me in the area of marriage, in the areas of marriage and family, when we are acknowledging and celebrating and appreciating what somebody brings, we also now have the benefit of that gift in the room. But if we are not celebrating and appreciating the uniqueness of what each one brings to the process, then the tendency is to think, that the one that has authority in this area rules in every other area, and it leads to competition. That's my thinking. So you can, yeah, you can tell yeah, me and, and I can see that. I, I can see that, <laughs> and I want to add the word uh, when it when that gifting is not acknowledged, uh, yeah, because yeah. Uh, yep. you know we're not none of us are perfected one hundred in anything that God has called us to. He's the only one that's fully. Uh, you know, perfect in any area. And so uh, I, as you were talking, the, another word comes up, and you we're using the word authority, but I want to use the word wisdom because yeah. many times I find myself in, in meetings uh, where maybe I'm not the lead person um, and uh, that particular, um, whatever the meeting is about, whatever project or whatever, I you know, it may not be my uh, pet peeve, uh, so to speak. But then what God will do many times in the course of those meetings, because I'm acknowledged and every other person there is acknowledged, there, it, it gives a liberty for God's wisdom to flow. Yeah. And yes. so it's not so much my authority to have, that has to be enacted in that case, That's good. but the wisdom of God may come. Because we have you know, different yeah. giftings. It's not just yeah. our upfront giftings or predominant gifts. Uh, like tonight, I knew that I was in a teacher's a grace tonight. I wasn't in any other grace I needed to teach tonight because mm-hmm. that's what, what the Lord wanted done. But then there's a wisdom that can come that um, lends itself to instruction. It lends itself to correction. It lends itself to, uh, to knowledge. And, and it just comes because God gives it. Uh, it lends itself to understanding or whatever is going on in the room or what's been discussed or what's been planned. But it has to be that we will acknowledge the gift. Yeah, God that's in right. the individuals. We have to do that because no man is an island. If I acknowledge your leadership, you know, tonight, because what, what has happened tonight and any other time you may have a guest on, you are still the leader of this ministry. But when you Absolutely. bring a guest on, you are acknowledging that gift, and That's you right. re- you relinquish yourself to an extent, an extent, not full extent, but to an extent, to to relax and see what God will say through that gift. 
You That's know right. what I'm saying? And so then we well, acknowledge the gift, and the wisdom of God is free to flow, and uh, the, the power of God is free to act in, in that case. And you know what? We do that really every time we go to church. Every time we go to church and we sit in the pew and as a congregant or a worshiper and we're not up on that podium, the one speaking, we are doing just what we're talking about. We're acknowledging the gift in that speaker, that messenger, and because we do that, it it breeds a, a liberty and a freedom for God to move and act. And he can use at that time anybody he wants to to speak. For instance, well, the preacher might be preaching. Right there. Huh? What you just said, I don't want people to miss this, because what you just said, when we acknowledge the gift, the gift is free to flow. Yes. So when the gift is not acknowledged, the gift is stifled from flowing. Yeah. And so yeah. what's interesting to me and how it relates to many of those that are listening into our conversation is that there is a gift and a wisdom that each of you bring to the situations, circumstances, and relationships that God has you in. And one of the things that we have to understand, because someone can receive your person and not receive your gift. Let me just Absolutely. say this really quickly. You use the word wisdom. I never saw this in the word of God before. But in Matthew 23, verse 34, Jesus, after saying, making some scathing statements to the religious folks, the Pharisees and the, and the scribes and the Sadducees, after he made some very scathing comments, this is what he says in verse 34, I am Jesus, I am sending you, listen, I'm sending you religious folk, prophets, sages, and scribes. In other words, mm. I'm sending you not just prophets, I'm sending you wisdom. And scribes, and then the Bible goes and talks about what, how the religious will treat the prophets sent to it, the wise, and the scribes. It, it just, it, it, wow, because we put so much emphasis. Now, why would Jesus have to say, I'm, in addition to these prophets, I'm sending you some wise people. I'm yep. sending you wisdom. I'm sitting wisdom in your midst. And I know what you're saying is true because I can sit in the situation and listen to what everybody's saying and then something will come out of my mouth that I didn't plan to come out of my mouth yeah. and the whole room is silent. There's yeah. nothing to be said after that. And that's what the Bible says. I will give you a wisdom that none can refute. That and none so I can refute. Saying, yes. I and Jesus said saying that, too. yeah. In, in Luke twenty one fifteen, he says, I will put in your mouth a wisdom that the enemy can't resist or contradict. That's what he says. Uh, and and, and I, I know that place very well because um, God uses me with wisdom a lot. And so mm-hmm. here again, uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what uh, grace is operating or what which gift is operating it has to be acknowledged because we're not yeah. acknowledging the individual. We're acknowledging God in that person to speak. Yes. But yes. we're welcoming yeah. the voice of God. So, you know, often when we, when we do prayers at the beginning of meetings or teachings and all that, we, we, so, Lord, we invite you to speak and to do. But then when mm-hmm. the Lord begins to speak and to do, many times it's refuted or rejected or denounced or not even acknowledged. You know, and I think yeah. that uh, I think in all of that, uh, in all of those types of scenarios, that 
one of the things that's missing is the spirit of understanding uh, mm-hmm. because uh, even when it comes to the, the ascension gifts, the prophet, the apostle, the teacher, the evangelist, the pastor, so much has been misunderstood because of, uh, of uh, what I call deficient teachings or, mm. um, you know, uh, teachings that uh, either uh, were not sound in doctrine and or they weren't taught at all. And so what mm-hmm. people do now, they don't have the understanding of the functions of these particular positions. And uh, mm-hmm. it's not so much the title. So what happens, the person with these titles often gets the, the denial or the denouncement, and it's not their fault at all. But it's because people don't understand the function of what they have received in those positions. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that it's not titles that mean anything. So we don't have to go on a defense journey to defend titles. We need to understand God's intention of the function of those offices. Mm, And we need to understand that they are intended not to be independent, uh, uh, not to be, uh, yeah, independent, but they're to be interdependent. In other words, if we work together and not in an isolated manner. And that's yeah, why I no, that's the church in its structure, uh, the wineskin of the church, I believe in this new season, God is, he's, he's, he's bringing it back to what it's supposed to be. Because the mm-hmm. five should work together interdependently upon each other and not independent Absolutely. of each other. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I am, I am right with you on that. I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing and, some of the people that he's bringing even into my life that have this, how I want to say is an operating or a working definition of what you're talking about, not just a declaration, but a working declaration or a working declaration of what that actually looks like to to know. Well, you know, there's scripture for that because Ephesians 4, I want to say 18, 16 through 18, somewhere in there, uh, after Paul talks about the functions of and the job description of the fivefold is right there to teach, to bring mm-hmm. us into the oneness and unity of, of the Lord Jesus Christ until we grow up into him uh, and to, to help us not to be tossed to and fro by everyone and doctor. But then down at the eight, verse 18, I believe it is, it says, uh, when every joint, every mm-hmm. member supplies yeah. its all. Okay. Then mm-hmm. the church will edify itself in love. Mm, 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 the building good. of the church will happen when every joint and member has opportunity to to pour its oil. Mm-hmm. And so to me, mm-hmm. that speaks of a collaborative Absolutely. and emerging of and a collaboration of every mm-hmm. member. Absolutely. And when every no, member I... is, is permitted <laughs> and acknowledge mm-hmm. to pull its off, and, and nobody else's oil, just yours, then just there's going oil. to be an edification of the church, and it would do it itself. In other words, it would almost be almost like it's automatic because what, right. what it was intended for is happening. That's right. So my yeah. prayer is that the courage that the, the, the people on this line that are listening, that God has was spoken here tonight, and as you have received the courage of God to show up, to speak up, to share mm-hmm. 
what God has put in you. And no, it may not be received by everybody. It may not even be received by your church. But I will tell you this, that God has a people and relationships for you to express your oil to the edification of those around you, with you, to in the furtherance of his kingdom. Because what I've realized is that there are people that will love your person, but they may not receive your gift. And you need to know the difference because for years, I assumed that receiving me was synonymous with receiving my gift. Mm-hmm. But I am learning and continue to learn over the past many, many years that just because someone receives me as a person does not mean that they receive the gift of God has made me to the people he has sent me. And you need to know the difference. It'll save you a lot of heartache. <laughs> you need to know the That's difference. Right. But I, I just thank God for the wisdom the wisdom of God, I I really appreciate you coming on. And these are the kinds of dialogues I have been talking about. I know I tell Amy all the time, these are the kinds of dialogues that we must begin to have, not where there is a, where the people of God can hear, listen, contribute, and that God can speak to the hearts of his people because he does it better than nobody else. He does it better than nobody else. And all we need to do is show up and share and be willing to be refined, corrected if necessary, um, and and just to grow in the graces that uh, of the relationships that are present. So I appreciate it. I would love to have you on again just to have conversation that people can partake of, ask questions. And I know the time is kind of gone. I don't know if there's anyone on the line. I, I would be remiss, as, particularly since you uh, opened the floor to questions or comments. I want to just take maybe a couple minutes, maybe five minutes. If you have a question or a one-sentence comment, Please, not. this is not about you prophesying. It's not about you teaching. But if you have a comment or a question that's very specific, I want to give you the opportunity to ask it. And you can do that by pressing star six and giving me your name, and then we'll give you opportunity. So I just want to give you a few minutes if there was someone on that wanted to do that um, while we have Dr. Campbell here. Um, we will take your questions or she will take your questions. Otherwise, we're going to keep it moving. Hello? Nubby, can I say something? I know. Absolutely. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Campbell. This was awesome because uh, I have been standing against a lot of opposition lately and taking a stance, and it's it's felt very costly and very lonely. But... uh, I I appreciate this uh, to help uh, build up and edify. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us and receiving. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Thank you, Nubby. Awesome. Is there anybody else before we go ahead and wrap this up? Well, Dr. Campbell, while people are maybe figuring that out or not figuring that out or we're good. If you could just tell people how they can get in touch with you or follow you, that would be awesome. Sure, sure. Uh, you can email me at wip as in Paul, mi12 at gmail.com. 
WIPMI12 at gmail.com. Um, that's how you can communicate with me. Uh, if you would like to learn more about the ministry, you may go to the website at WIP, as in Paul, IAC dot org. WIPIAC dot org. Amen. Well, praise God. Amy, are you still on? I'm not sure if she's in a place she can speak or not, but uh, Amy? Can you hear me? I can hear can you. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. Do you have anything else? Oh, Dr. Belinda, thank you. <laughs> this is so rich. I just have to say, when you speak, the wisdom you speak in always lays like a a train track, a, a, a way to move forward, just setting us just wonderfully. Um, what you've said is really, I feel like, pushed us forward, like really given us a, a roadmap of how to be relationship game changers. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You. You're welcome. <laughs> And for well, all again, you, you know, I, I just wanted to give the kingdom perspective of it. Uh, I think that's going to yes. be key in now uh, moving forward is that we have God's viewpoint and his perspective, what the word says, what God expects, what he created, why, and move in that. Everything else will um, be taken care of because of his sovereignty. And, um, you know, a lot of things are just being reset. Uh, we are being reset in a, in a lot of God's originals and first. And so we have to be mindful of that as well, that we have to get rid of the familiar and the old paradigm. We must. Mm. We must because God is resetting things back to mm. his original intent, especially his church. And so mm. uh, mm-hmm. in order to function as an agency of the kingdom, as the, as the ecclesia, we have to permit that. And so uh, a lot of the warfare that we would normally probably go through is because how we war. And God is sending us nuggets every day and stratagem and commandments and uh, exhortation and, uh, and encouragement to do things his way. And uh, I think this is very important tonight. It might have been elementary in a sense, but sometimes it's, it's good to go back to the basic. And... Um, and let God reshape and reform and refashion and so we can take the new wine. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm taking notes right now on that too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is so good. And I know that you guys that like to listen again like I do so you can ponder and meditate, um, I'll give the replay number, and also we will have it on the podcast. And I will uh, post all of Dr. Belinda Campbell's information on our Relationship Game Changers Facebook page so you can um, have all her information as well in case you have questions um, for her and didn't jot it all down. I'll make sure it's on Facebook as well. Well, the replay number is 605-475-4980, and the access code is Three four one zero 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 pound, and tonight's call number is one eight zero. That's one eighty pound. And again, I'll put all that information up um, 
Also, you can text me if you missed anything, 678-754-0867. And I'll open it up if there's anyone else who wants to make a comment or question. Last, last call on comments or questions, star six. Yes. Dr. Campbell, we find when <laughs> Amy, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, Patsy. Yes, hi. Oh, Dr. Campbell, that was so awesome. You are you are such a blessing. I love every time you come on and you pray and uh just impart such uh profound words of wisdom. I wanted to find out I loved you said that um was that a prophetic word about relationship, relationship game changers that you had read? The last thing that I read, that was a prophetic word um, uh, that was given back in 1990, I'm sorry, in 2016, concerning oh. kingdom game changers. Oh, wow. Is there a way <laughs> to get a copy of that, uh, maybe sent to Kim? or? Sure. Uh, either I give her how you could Google it. One, uh, I just happened to run up on it, and I thought, oh, my goodness, wow, Lord. <laughs> when yeah. I saw it, I'm like, wow, Lord, <laughs> you know. And it's, it's amazing how God confirms things because I already had the title of tonight's teaching already. And when I saw that, I said, what? <laughs> so yeah. I felt like it was appropriate at the end as uh, Kim um, expressed her first question. I felt like it was a great place to plug that in. Absolutely, and the amazing mm-hmm. thing is that God's word is timeless. You said mm-hmm. it was 2015, and here it is 21, mm-hmm. and every bit is relevant. So yes, every bit of it, God. Yeah. Well, see, that's the that's that re- revival fire at work mm-hmm. of God, that refreshing that He can do. Because look at just look at it like this: we have 66 books of His truth, and none of it is it, it never ages or gets old. And so, therefore, the word will always be productive. But what happens? The Spirit of the Lord breathes afresh on it to make it relevant to the time and the moment and the occasion. And so uh, you're so correct in that, that uh, when it's from God, it's eternal. Amen. Oh, wow. You know, and I'm just thinking, his, his word, you know, even this, the Bible, it's living. And sometimes I'll just say, it's a living word. It's alive. His words live. They breathe. Right. <laughs> and That's so right. I get like, oh, my gosh. So, yes, I'm so excited. And God bless you, woman of God. I love you. I love your spirit. Uh, and, Kim, thank you so much for bringing her on. She'd been saying you were going to come on, so I'm glad you came <laughs> well, thank on. Thank you so much for having me. And oh. I enjoyed it myself. I, I'm excited about what God is doing. Praise God. So I'll look for that. Uh, um, you said you'll send it to her? I'll, or I'll send it to Amy. I'll send okay. it to Amy. Awesome. Mm-hmm. God bless I will you. send it out. Thank you, Amy. Oh, yes. Thank you, Dr. Campbell. And I, I want to thank your team, too, that, who's on the call with us tonight. We really appreciate each of you just coming on and joining us. We really, really have a heart to collaborate we love you guys, and we really do just believe in, in, in doing this together. So thank you so much to each of you 
um, from Dr. Campbell's team that are on with us tonight. Thank you so much. You're welcome, sweetie. We love you. We we look forward to you coming back on. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We (laughs) want to have you back. Thank you. We love you so much. Thank you, thank you, and for all of you on the line, be blessed. Thank you for coming on tonight, and we look forward to um, hearing you next week, Wednesday. Good night. Good night. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Thank you.